welcome to a special series of the FDIC podcast we call Banking on Innovation. My name is Sultan Megji, the Chief Innovation Officer at FDIC. In previous episodes, we've tackled some pretty big issues. The need to engineer innovation into our banking system. The need to be resilient so our banks can stand up to everything from hurricanes to ransomware. We've even looked at the future of quantum computing as it applies to banking. But with all of this talk of financial technology, AI, how can we make certain that through all of this innovation, our banking system is inclusive and accessible to everyone, most especially the unbanked? Joining us to explore the fairness of fintech and the fairness of banking is Chris Brummer, director of Georgetown University's Institute of International Economic Law. Chris is also founder of Washington, D.C.'s Fintech Week, and he's no stranger to podcasts himself as he hosts the Fintech Beat, which is awesome. And if you're not listening to it, you should. Hey, Chris, thank you for being here. Sultan, it is such a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. So Chris and I were chatting before we got started about all of the great things we could be talking about. And we realized that we would probably be here for about two hours and that just isn't going to work. And so we've tried to limit it to a couple of very direct questions that can turn into a great discussion. So Chris, I'm going to start off with all of the advancements going on in technology, with fintechs, with everything. Are you worried that we're going to be leaving people behind? You know, that is such a, a, a remarkably challenging question, which in and of itself could be, you know, a, a two hour long uh, com- conversation. Um, but I, I do think that when you when you think about innovation and and whether or not, you know, for all the innovation that's been created in this country in particular, you know, whether or not all of that uh, innovation has hit sort of every pocket and every nook and cranny of the economy. And you know, you you'd mentioned uh, DC FinTech Week, but but it, I had a very interesting conversation a year ago um, on uh, one of our sort of annual shindigs with with a couple of folks from overseas, uh, and in particular in uh, Southeast Asia, and they had sort of made this really interesting observation, saying you know for all of the this great innovation that the United States creates, um, a lot of it is being deployed and utilized in other parts of the world, often. Um, in order to advance sort of, you know, financial inclusion and the like. But, um, you know, the United States hasn't necessarily been able to operationalize and to leverage all of its own innovation. So I, I guess when I hear that question, I'll just put it to you this way. I, I, I'm certainly aware that the track record hasn't always been such that, you know, um, uh, that, that some of the really great uh, inventions and, and, and the genius of the, of the country has been readily Sort of deployed in ways um, that 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 everyday um, Americans have always been able to 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 access. Well, it's interesting you talk about examples in other countries because, and I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, six years ago I spent eighteen months doing aid work in East Africa, specifically focused on financial inclusion, especially for women in rural communities, and we built a bunch of different technologies that were exciting and we got hundreds of thousands of women to have bank accounts for the first time ever in fairly short amounts of time. And the genesis of me and the banking system in this iteration was actually coming back to the US from that saying, look at all this great innovation, look at all this great technology, a lot of it produced here in the United States that we're not actually using. And look at the gap that we have because of that. I think that we have um, a ways to go here in the United States. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, uh, in some, no small part to people like you and and to other people in government, you know, there's there's an awareness that that there's more to be done. 
Um, and, and I think there's a, a very robust um, conversation going on uh, in the innovation space and also in the regulatory space about how to, uh, how to do better. Well, selfishly, I, I fully agree that it's exciting to see more people, especially, you know, brown people in the regulatory system having these discussions. Like, I, th I just, you know, I get, I get very struck sometimes at how lucky we all are that there's an opportunity for us to kind of step into this discussion at this moment in time and see if not only can we, in essence, fix some of the, the discrepancies we see in the system today, but then also prepare for the future, right? I'm curious from a diversity and inclusion perspective, do you see opportunities for new technologies, especially digital assets, to actually meaningfully move the needle in a positive way? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, that's uh, also a great question. I just did also want to respond to that observation that you were saying about just sort of seeing how many more people are around, how many more brown people, but also just frankly, how many more people, right? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've been around um, Washington, D.C., sort of teaching over at Georgetown since, you know, the Jobs Act and before fintech was called fintech, you know, and 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 before crypto became something of of you know this I guess center of national attention that that, that it's become, and you know there you know, there weren't necessarily too many people thinking about that, but it is really remarkable when you walk around town nowadays. You're like there are so many people who are who are thinking about these issues, and um, you know and there's a lot of uh, a diversity. Um, um, in that. And I think that's going to be necessary, especially when you talk about the unbanked, because, you know, a lot of out-of-the-box thinking is going to be required because you're going to have to take, on the one hand, let's call it, you know, existing technology solutions and to sort of think about, well, how can you better deploy them? And then you have this, you know, these new, these new let's call them frontier technologies like cryptocurrencies and digital assets that you just mentioned. And you have to think about, um, you know, how to, to, to leverage those instruments uh, in in ways that can be pr productive uh, for 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 everyone, and um, that's interesting because I, I've said before it, it it involves both thinking about the purpose, you know, how do you make those instruments purposeful, you know, if they're already uh, or if they're new, and if they're sort of existing already and out there in the ether, excuse the pun, you know, how do you repurpose them? in ways so that they can achieve, you know, their, their, their full potential. And I think digital assets has that potential, right? Um, but, but uh, and I don't want to sort of echo what you normally hear about digital assets. It's one of those things where, A, it really will take a little bit of time to because everything's evolving very, very quickly. Um, and you have to sort of think through specifically, what does the infrastructure look like? And there's so many different varieties of that infrastructure that are constantly under development. And then sort of thinking, okay, well, how will that infrastructure be deployed? So remittances, that's like an easy kind of example. But, but when you want to dig a little bit deeper into the, um, uh, beyond the surface, you, you, you want to think about, well, what are the other kinds of use cases? And that requires a degree of intentionality um, uh, that I think is just now starting uh, to appear. And, we ha and I think it's an amazing opportunity for us at this moment in time to say diversity has to be an intention. So it doesn't matter if we're talking about crypto or whatever, AI, whatever, it has to be built into the discussion. You, you are so right. People, we all have very different kinds of lives and different kinds of experiences. And we all, you know, I'm a kid from Arkansas who lives, you know, in Washington, D.C. I'm still trying to understand, you know, every, everyone around here. Right. And we all have these these very different experiences. And if you don't have people with those experiences, it's hard on the front end to sort of think about how you know, you know, what, what kinds of, of use cases to kind of aim for. 
and 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 obviously from the regulatory perspective, it's just really important to have people with different perspectives to to similarly have big imaginations and 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 to help uh, guide that process along um, in order to achieve uh, the regulatory mandates that are either explicit or implicit in all of our major financial regulatory uh, agencies. Well, it's it's fascinating to to hear you talk about this because I spend a tremendous amount of time kind of splitting my energies between you know at what I call external functions, you know, talking to people like you and other amazing experts, and, and really trying to learn more and make sure that that you hear from us and, and and building more transparency and more dialogue. But then we also spend a decent amount of time focused on internal things for for the agency itself. And you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that a, a huge amount of the statutory authority of our financial system goes back to the 1930s and. Those are laws that were written and are still the law today. And we have lawyers running around all day at FDIC making sure that we don't violate them, right? And then you have an entire generation of what I call kind of first generation technology thinking. That's a lot of like how you think about mainframes. I have my data. I have my database over here and stuff like that. And and there's a huge evolving nature of technology. But in parallel to that, we have to evolve our people. Right. And and so many of the people doing this innovative work, you know, at the agencies and kind of in that that kind of near circle around them, it is very different than the people who built enterprise technologies 15 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And it's just it's a really cool moment. And I highlight that I've gotten a chance to meet many of the other chief innovation officers at other agencies. You know, many of them, just like me, are the first in the job in the last year. And it is not a bunch of old white men, frankly, right? Yeah, it's, a very, yeah, it's a very different crowd, right? It's a very different crowd. You know, it's a generationally sort of different crowd. It's a professionally different crowd, you know, lots of different uh, racial backgrounds kind of get involved and honestly kind of pushing the envelope a little bit in, in, in terms of making sure that agencies are, are accountable in lots of different ways. I mean, even as a law professor, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I tell my students that really two of the three classes I teach didn't exist when I was in law school and I'm not that old. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and, and so, so there, there, there's, you know, all of our institutions are being pushed um, uh, to evolve. The house committee on financial services task force on AI in October held a hearing to examine the use, the use of AI and, and what potential risks it could have. There's some great papers that have sort of said, hey, AI has the opportunity to, to, to be very risky and potentially very discriminatory. And there's a little bit of data out there supporting that. Then you have an almost 100% mirror of that showing the exact opposite, saying it's a way of removing bias from the system. It's a way of removing these kinds of things. The White House has talked about developing an AI bill of rights. You know, Here's my fun question for you at the end. If you were sitting at the table as a founding father of AI for our nation, what would be the top two or three things on your list? I I I, I think you know because I'm I'm not a software engineer. I I can truly only you know answer that question from a very high level, and you know and and maybe by way of of example. So I sit on the board of Fannie Mae, and we recently made a decision, uh, or Fannie Mae made, recently made a decision. Uh, to include rental data uh, into, you know, sort of, you know, its own alternative data and not just sort of pure FICO scores for purposes of, of, of lending. And, and, and that, you know, is a dramatically important, it was a dr- dramatically important step to opening the credit box, right? And, and, and there's a certain level of um, 
common sense. You know, even in AI, even when we automate things, you know, common sense <laughs> should not be underestimated, right? You know, where you think to yourself, well, you know, maybe you know the ability to pay your rent is 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 roughly analogous to your ability to or your desire to pay your your mortgage because you know you know no one really wants to be out on the street and 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 uh, maybe you know there's there's value in that data for trying to assess some sense of uh likelihoods of repayment and i think that you know you can expand from just rental payments to other kinds of areas where even in a world of conflicting data sets and um, uh, conflicting, I don't know, linear regressions, you know, at some point, you know, a, a decision should also be guided by, um, you know, thinking hard uh, about incentives uh, that, that, that people have and how do you build on to um, what's already been done in a, in a safe and sound way that really does open up opportunities for people who actually deserve them. It's not a question of giving something to people that they haven't earned. It's to say, hey, you know what? When I'm looking at what you've done in terms of your rental payments and you've always been on time, you kind of deserve credit for that. You know, I think that that's, you know, thinking through other, you know, whether or not it's, you know, your phone bill or your car payments or whatever, you know, that, that it's important to really take that step and to, at times, you know, use, use a bit of common sense. But it's I'm I'm so happy to hear you say common sense and AI in the same sentence because you know you don't always hear that and it's it's nice to hear. But I do think you you are highlighting a, a nuanced point that I don't know if if everybody quite gets, which is our spending behaviors as consumers as actors in the economy has evolved quite a bit. And you know instead of having twenty or thirty banking transactions per month, people have one hundred and fifty. And it's a fascinating moment for us. But the nuance that I heard you say was, listen, because of that, it is entirely appropriate for us as we go and look at all these new things happening and the systems as they exist today, we should be a little more thoughtful about bringing some common sense and realizing that the patterns of behavior are changing and how you rate someone as a good risk or a bad risk might have to change. I'm an old fashioned guy. Common sense can actually be very helpful. And, and also, you know, regulation, oversight, supervision, it's reiterative. It's not supposed to be like a one shot. So when you when you have those standards to go back and to assess based off of the data that you're receiving, you know whether or not uh, you know common sense uh, has ruled the day, or, or or whether or not you need to maybe upgrade your um, uh, thinking based on the available data. Well, I think the TLDR for me talking to you today, Chris, is fairness and inclusion is common sense. Oh, very nice. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm, learn, I'm learning from I, the best. I have to go tweet that. I have to, I have to go tweet that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope uh, I, I hope that you and I get the next time we do this, we get to do it in person in the same room and at least uh, fist bump. But, uh, but thank you so much for joining us today on the FDIC podcast, Banking on Innovation. Thank you.